Welcome to the War and Beast podcast. This is a very special episode. Uh, if you're if you're w- uh, watching along at home, uh, what you'll want to do is as soon as the lion roars, hit play, and this uh, episode will line up perfectly with the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I would have much rather watched the Wizard of Oz than this. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, that is yes. Um, I also was going to see if Dark Side of the Moon lined up with the first 45 minutes of this movie, but I forgot to. So, <laughs> um, I'm uh, I'm your host uh, this week, Kendall. Uh, oh gosh, we're going in somewhat alphabetical over uh, here, or not? Uh, I don't know. Um, I'm I'm Kendall. You guys introduce yourselves however you want. I'm Greg. I'm Jordan. I'm Eric. All right. So yes, we are. Uh, discussing uh, because of scheduling stuff, we had uh, we we decided to do a weird thing this week, and uh, we're discussing Dark of the Moon, the third Michael Bay Transformers movie. Uh, it was a thing. Um, <laughs> I can't tell whether I hated doing the bonus episode with tattooed teenagers from Beverly Hills or this. <laughs> well, how long was tattooed alien teenagers? Thank. Oh, Fully only half an hour, well, like 22 minutes, but it seemed so much longer. <laughs> yeah. Did it seem like two hours and 22 minutes? Just about. Okay, well, this one still seemed like 10 hours. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, this one, um, I think I, I started um, I started playing Final Fantasy X at the beginning of this uh, of this movie, and I, I, was, I had 100% completed it by the end of the movie, so. Oh, damn. Um, it was, it's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty long, uh, pretty long film. I started taking notes, and then at the end of the movie, I went back and read the first notes and thought, did that happen during this movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, uh, I because I like punishing myself. I actually watched the uh, rewatched the first two movies beforehand to try to because I don't know. I just like watching things in order or whatever. And I've noticed all three movies, all of them feel like there are very very specific moments where you're like, 
is this movie still going? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and and it's funny because I remember, especially in this one, where I was like, this, why won't this movie end? I'm like, oh, I guess because they still haven't really resolved the plot that there is in this. Because that building <laughs> like, still hasn't why? fallen down. Yeah, I yeah. know. <laughs> like, I literally, fe- I, I actually, I had to wa- rewatch parts of it today because the first time I watched it, I fell asleep for like 20 minutes and I didn't miss anything like in the, in the third act. But anyway, um, so before I'm going to, I'm just the way, uh, the format of this episode is going to be, we're going to do our trivia and I'm going to do a real quick summary. We are not going to go scene by scene. This is not teenagers with attitude, uh, doing the power Rangers movie episode. Uh, nor is it teenagers with attitude doing the Sonic bonus episode, I guess is, is what this would be. More in line with because uh, let's face it, we don't really want to torture our <laughs> listeners into no longer listening. To yeah. although to be fair, we could describe everything that happened in the last forty five minutes of the movie in pretty quickly and and uh, you know, but yeah, there's a lot of other stuff. Okay, yeah. Uh, so Greg, why don't you read us some IMDb? Yeah, there. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to go through all of it because there's 120 items of <laughs> trivia on IMDb for this movie, and I'm sure most of it is crap. <laughs> but um, I'll, I'll hit some more of the yeah. Inter- more yeah. interesting For- bullet points. Fortunately, they they order it in like most most in, most people liked it, most popular to least popular. So the first few yeah. should be the really interesting stuff. Yes. Um, First item is, uh, despite the rumors of a feud between Megan Fox and Michael Bay, it was actually Steven Spielberg who had Fox fired from this film after she compared Michael Bay to Nazis. Bay was already prepping Fox for this film when she was forced to drop out. So here's a thought. Don't call somebody a Nazi that works for the company that Steven Spielberg owns. Probably not the best idea for your career. Uh, second item, uh, Peter Collins' favorite Favorite moment in this particular film is when Optimus Prime meets with astronaut Buzz Aldrin. That was, uh, yeah. I that was a good why. scene. That was a good scene. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have to wonder if maybe Peter Collin might have been on set for that or just, you know, knowing the fact that Prime was mm-hmm. going to meet him might have been something that he thought was pretty cool. But either way, it was, it was a pretty neat scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to visual effects supervisor Scott Farrar, Sentinel Prime was physically modeled on Sir Sean Connery, and the role of Sentinel was offered to Connery, but he turned it down. Sentinel quotes the, there can be only one line from Connery's film, Highlander. Uh, he quotes a few films. Yeah. He quotes the, Spock, which is which is cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the driller was composed of 70,000 pieces. It required ILM to use up its entire render farm and took 122 hours per frame. So 288 hours in the driller's attack on the skyscraper. That uh, So the good the good thing is they didn't waste any time explaining what that was. So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it just just to to make sure that I'm not dumb. Um, uh, Sentinel Prime was voiced by Spock, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Leonard Nimoy. I I drew a blank and noticed they're watching Star Trek at the beginning of the film. I, I like. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a nice. They said this is the one where Spock goes crazy. Yeah. yeah. And that's what happened in the film. That's my yeah. summary. <laughs> Uh, let's see. What's another good one here? Uh, Michael Bay swore that the Autobot twins, Skids, and Mudflap would not be in the film and promised $25,000 to whomever could spot them. However, they do appear in one scene 
when Director Mearing arrives at Nest. So yeah, there you go. We did have. Thankfully, it was just for that one scene because I, as much as I hated this movie, movie I would have hated it even more if they were in it even more. Uh, according to Michael Bay, 532 vehicles were destroyed in the film. They were given away by an insurance company at no charge as all of them were flood damaged. <laughs> let me see. Michael Bay reused a car crash scene from the island after an extra was seriously injured during the original shot for this film. It's the scene in the highway battle when Hatchet is thrown into a car. So the question is... Which film was worse, this or The Island? It's <laughs> a good toss-up. Wait, wasn't The Island actually technically a remake of something? I don't know. I just remember um, Scott Baker told me that I should rent it at uh, Hollywood Video. And did I did. Get a commission and or something? What? Uh, yeah, well, I asked him what I should rent, and he said, this is good because it's like... Usually in clone movies, you're like, who's the clone? But in this one, you know who the clone is. <laughs> okay. I, it, it sold me on it. <laughs> Actually, I don't remember. I remember that movie being all right. I you know, haven't revisited it. But yeah. um, So this one, there's, okay, here, here's a little bit of trivia about Alan Tudyk. Uh, in 2011, Alan Tudyk told Empire Magazine that his character from 28 Days... Uh, the gay German performance artist Gerhard was the same character as the one Tudyk later played in this movie. He, he goes on to say, I decided that it's the same guy. He had gotten out of rehab, got himself on the right track, and then entered the army. Became a specialist, found that he had skills in computers and weapons. Then he got burned out after too much killing and just decided to become a valet to Agent Simmons. There's a moment where he just goes crazy and I say, that's the old me. And that was all based on that bullshit idea that it was the same guy. <laughs> that's the that's one of the best scenes in the movie too. When he when he yeah when he yeah. Uh, flips flips like that. Yeah, Dutch Dutch is one of the the shining moments of this film. Oh yeah, yeah. That was that was some interesting trivia. Okay, uh, Jordan uh, TF Wiki. Okay, so there's a lot of things we can go through, uh, but. I don't think we want to bother with continuity errors because <laughs> we're not really that in there. Uh, but I do think we can go with some of the Transformers and real-world references. Mm-hmm. Um, like it says, in in addition to recurring elements from the previous films, Dark of the Moon bases a number of elements on previous versions of the Transformers mythos, including pot, plot elements based on older sil- stories, something fairly rare in the other two movies. And then it points out that new characters Shockwave and Laserbeak are heavily based upon the Generation 1 counterparts. Yes. Q is derived from G1 character Wheeljack, and Sentinel Prime is the name of Optimus's predecessors in many continuities. And in this instance, he continues his predecessor's legacy of being a giant jerk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Carly was the name of Spike Wick- uh, Witwicky's girlfriend and eventual wife in the original cartoon. Yep, she was. And the art gets its name from the Autobots craft spaceship in the Marvel's Transformers comic. Like, I don't think they actually called it the arc, the the cartoon at one point. It wasn't. It wasn't until the comic that they actually named it that, right? Um. Yeah, I seem to recall vaguely that they were that the comic was the first time that they referred to it as the arc. I'm pretty sure. 
the Xanathem is the name of the Wrecker spaceship in the IDW Publishing's Transformers comics. Uh, Roadbuster and Topspin being members of the Wreckers recall their original G1 counter- counterparts likewise being part of the Wreckers. Cool. Optimus's new trailer is based on the trailer that his Generation 1 com- par- uh, counterpart hauled around, including its ability to open up into a weapons base. And it took three fucking movies before we got it. <laughs> Did we even see it open up? Yeah, um, yeah, sort of in Russia. Yeah, it sort it, of crashes open. <laughs> say, I thought I it remember turned, it tipping over. I th- like I remember, like I thought it kind of turned into that ring. Yeah, 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 it turns into the ring, and then he's yeah. like, "Oh crap! I need my flying thing so that yeah. I can win the battle." <laughs> and then I fell asleep, and, and then he had it. And then have it, and have a new mode that will be a toy. <laughs> um, let's see. Optimus now carries the Matrix around in his chest as he has in past incarnations. Mm-hmm. Oh, and here's one that I actually noticed, and I like when I first saw when I was watching the movie, I had to actually look it up because I, I wasn't, I didn't look through the wiki yet. The corrosive end met by Ironhide comes at the hands of Cosmic Rust, the oxidizing pathogen that first appeared in a Generation Cartoon episode of the same name. Yep. Though not named in the film. Its identity is made clear by production artwork by Josh Nizzi, which labels Sentinel's Prime gun a cosmic rust gun. Mm-hmm. Um, Megatron removing Abraham Lincoln from his chair at the Lincoln Memorial and then sitting it in the scene is, uh, in it is a scene taken directly from the Generation 1 cartoon episode, Atlantis Arise. Hmm. And oh my god, that's right. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. <laughs> and the Decepticon ending for Transformers the, the Game. Uh, the idea of bringing Cybertron to Earth via space bridge and enslaving humans was the plot of the Generation 1 multi-part episode, The Ultimate Doom. Yes. Likewise, the idea of an influential and powerful human joining forces with the Decepticons, resulting in the Autobots being exiled from Earth by the government via spacecraft, only for the spacecraft to be destroyed, was the plot behind Generation 1 cartoon multi-part episode, Megatron's Master Plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Megatron's first line, A Wary All Hail Megatron, is the title of IDW's direction-changing comic maxi-series, which had just wrapped up when production of the film was beginning. I remember that actually being kind of interesting. I just can't remember reading it all. I I can't remember reading it, but I do remember hearing that it was pretty good at the time. Yeah. Uh, When the worker at the Accuretta Systems is trying to make the photocopier work... Uh, the disguise photocopier. It beeps the more than meets the eye refrain from the original cartoon's theme song. <laughs> uh, and the transformation noise can be heard at the end of the film when Bumblebee transforms to robot mode, the final on-screen transformation, just as it was heard during Blackout's transformation, which was also the first on-screen transformation in the first film. Yep. And those are the Transformers references. We actually have also a few real-world references, where, uh, where which we I think we... We're talking about off-air, though, was when Brains and... Or did we... No, we talked about on-air. When Brains and Willie are watching Star Trek The Original Series, uh, the screen features Mr. Spock, portrayed by Leonard Nimoy, you know, who voices Sentinel Prime. Willie comments that it is the one where Spock goes nuts, which foreshadows Sentinel's heel turn. The episode itself is the famous TOS episode, Amuck Time, although for some inexplicable reason, the first of the two clips shown on screen is mirrored. Oh, Amok Time, that's the Ponfar episode, right? Yeah. It's mirrored because it's a reference to Mirror Mirror. (laughs) (laughs) I pulled that out of my ass, but 
May as well. <laughs> yes, a muck time. Uh, yeah, it has pawn far. It's got the it's got the uh, um, the fight to the death uh, music that I don't remember how it goes, but it's like really famous. Dun, 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 yeah. Yes, I knew there was a reason you were here, Eric. <laughs> I see you've already taken your shirt off. Wait, no, that was a different movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's oh man, that's a good episode too. Although so, although you know, it's funny though cuz they said this is the one where Spock goes crazy. That happens a lot yeah. in the original series. Uh Central Prime says the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. The voice actor said the same line in the 1982 film Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, as, as Mr. Spock. However, in that movie, Nimoy's character dies a, uh, dies a hero. And then to finish the Spike trifecta, when Bumblebee says his goodbyes to Sam, he uses a cl- clip of Leonard Nimoy as Spock saying, I will always be your friend. Another line from Star he, Trek II, Oh, he does, he does use a clip for, for, of Leonard Nimoy saying that? Because I specifically like... You thought think he should have able to not do that. Well, no, I thought he should like because I I recognized the line, but it didn't sound like like him, and he was like jumping from person to person. That's cool. No, that's cool. I'm glad they did it. That I just sometimes Leonard Nimoy isn't old. <laughs> like that's that's the thing. Uh, you know, sometimes he doesn't have that super deep, dark, raspy voice. Like you, you know, sometimes he sounds like Siler from Heroes. Oh, wait, so no, the only the Transformers one. movies I've seen have been one and three. This was the <laughs> third one, right? Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. So did Bumblebee start talking TV in the second movie? No, it was the first one. Yeah. Like, was it? I thought yeah. he just didn't talk at all. No, he talked TV in he, the first yeah, one. Yeah, he always, he always used, like, the... He, essentially, he's using the radio... Like radio yeah. transmissions or something like that, but it's always been clips from movies, and that when he wasn't obviously using it. So, song. so in this one, yeah, in the in the in the first movie, he was mostly playing songs, and it was more of like, it was a more subtle, like like an emotion or something. Like like there's right. a yeah. scene when when Sam's there with Megan Fox, and and he plays starts playing like Let's Get It On or something. Yeah. Um, uh, but but in this one, it's like literally he was he it was what he was saying. He was saying like words. And I don't remember how and they did it in the second movie. In the second one, they kind of did that, but not as much. And it was kind of referred to because I think they mentioned that near the end there that they kind of got it fixed for a bit. Like it mm-hmm. didn't say that way because I do remember at one point uh, when Sam was mad at Bumblebee, he was just like. You know, just like kind of just sulking in the corner, and he's like, and uh, Megas Fox character is like, oh, see, he can't even, he's so upset he can't talk. He's like, no, he's, he's playing it up. So, mm-hmm. so I, I, I know, I know, um, especially I think in the comics, they keep going back and forth to a gain fix, gain damage, gain fix, gain damage because of just, you know, miscommunications or not, not checking things. <laughs> I do remember. Like, especially with uh, Revenge of the Fallen, I remember that they started production, like it says in the notes, that they started production before they even had a script, like, finalized. So, that was some trouble. (laughs) Uh, Dutch and his fake girlfriend's name, India, are a reference to Dutch India. I mean, (laughs) which is what? (laughs) The colonies that uh, the Netherlands and the Dutch had. (laughs) Like, there was British India and Dutch India. 
All right. Uh, Q's name is a reference to Q from James Bond novels and films. Uh, Q also gives weapons to Nest soldiers while explaining the advantage and abilities for the weapons, much like Q does for James Bond. Yep. Uh, when Bubble Bean brings forth rings for Sam and Carly, he hums the wedding march, or more correctly, the bridal chorus from Richard Richard Wagner's 1850 opera Lohengrin. I'm not sure how to say that German word. L-O-H-E-N-G-R-I-N, in case you're wondering. And before Sentinel Prime gets attacked by Megatron, he quotes, There can only be one from the film Highlander. Sentinel is also modeled after one of the film's lead stars, Sean Connery. Mm-hmm. And those are basically the references. There are a couple of notes, but I'm not sure. Let me check, see if anything's uh, really see if interesting. See anything's worth it. There was yeah. kind <laughs> of a nifty reference. At uh, the beginning when the astronauts are going up to the ship, uh, you can see one of the Russian Luna satellites that uh, landed on the moon. Oh. And they actually referenced them later in the movie. Oh, Luna yeah. 2 actually crashed into the moon on, uh, I think, in the September of 1959, which was the first man-made object on the moon. Oh, because they, they said that, yeah, you were the first man on the moon, but you weren't the first camera on the moon. Right. Yeah. So Luna 2 actually existed, but then they talk about Luna 3 and 4, which I don't know if they actually existed mm-hmm. or not. Mm-hmm. But, um, that's o- but that's okay, because it's all fake. It's all cool fake history space race right. stuff. Like, that's some and of they, the cool... There are a lot of cool things about right this movie. Too. It's just... Yeah. I'm going to point out this one note, because, and I'll explain it as soon as I'm... After I read it here. Uh, another change from previous movies, though not root- rooted in Generation 1 is that Transformers that take damage in battle now spill a red liquid that is very obviously meant to resemble human blood. And I point this out because this pretty much confirms that, or at least continues the tradition, of all three movies having liquids being shot out of the Transformers in some way. Well, the red is transmission fluid, and then one of them has green come out, which is obviously uh, antifreeze. And don't forget lubricant. There's also lubricant. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and anything, anything else? This is getting to be a long trivia section. <laughs> no, I don't really think there's anything good here. Okay. We're, okay. we're stalling at this point. If you, yeah. uh, <laughs> if you, if you do notice anything later or think of anything later, we can always uh, uh, intermix it into the into your view. You can be like, well, actually, if you see in this scene, <laughs> what was really cool is that when they were filming it, it was raining, but they, uh, I don't know. I still kind of like how off that one of the uh, captions from the TF Wiki of, of of Optimus Prime and his ring of weapons. One of the captions is Chevron Seven locked. <laughs> <laughs> but other yep. than that, like I can't really think of anything really good to point out. Okay, so uh, I'll, I'm going to do a real, real quick summary. This is all based on my memory, and I didn't really prepare. So uh, I'm going to miss some stuff, but I'm just trying to get some real, real broad strokes. If I if I miss important plot points, then uh, you can tell me after. But uh, mm-hmm. so anyway, the movie starts, and uh, we and there's like uh, some sort of weird thing at the in the Cybertron War a million years ago. Uh, Escape the planet, like the ship gets blown up, and but ends up on the Earth's moon, which uh, uh, NASA figures is out is it out, and apparently that's the reason that the space race happened, and the reason that, uh, or at least the reason that Kennedy said 
to the moon in this decade. And so, uh, yeah, so that happens. Um, and then uh, Sam's got a new girlfriend uh, and he needs a job and his parents are annoying. And so he gets a, Wait. he goes on a bunch of interviews. We uh, didn't mention what the astronauts did find on the moon because we do get that. Oh, shot. I guess that's important. Um, <laughs> uh, they find a, they find the, the thing that they'll explain later what it is. It's like a, it's whatever. It's a spaceship. It's a, it's a ship. I guess it's like the, the face of the, of, yeah, uh, they, I think the earth of a thing, but, um, but I'm not going to go, but I, I've, I'm already providing too many details in the synopsis. Cause <laughs> if I go this, if I say this detailed, I'm just trying to kind of go through the movie. Uh, yeah. Sam ends up working at a, at a crappy, at a crappy job in a paper mill where there's lots of weird people. And, uh, uh, meanwhile, uh, the, the Autobots have been sort of helping take down terrorists and then, uh, made black ops. I find that kind of disturbing. Yeah. Alien robot cars and stuff. Infiltrators are black ops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and it also like, it also like sort of says something about like, they've, they've definitely aligned themselves specifically with United States. Yeah, that was the other thing. Was like it's not like they're a U- part of a UN task force or or any or anything like that for peacekeeping. They're specifically with the U.S. government's mm-hmm. uh, intelligence committee. Well, um, this is a Michael Bay film, so you know. <laughs> yeah, if, if 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 there aren't explosions, there has to be some wanking off of the U.S. military. I'm sorry. I will I will point out it that it, it did take about 20 minutes before we did get an explosion in the movie. <laughs> not, not counting any crashes and such, by uh, way, but yeah. But uh, yeah, and then um, some stuff happens, and uh, they end up going to uh, to Russia to Chernobyl, where there's a thing, uh, Predacon-y thing, and uh, Optimus sees this. It's a piece from the from that the spaceship uh, from the moon, and he gets mad. And, oh, and uh, as it turns out, there's no fallout from Chernobyl. It turns out that it's not radioactive. It's the energon signal that's yeah. actually causing trouble. Yeah, yeah. And, um, oh, just just in case it, we might need to bring him up again. I think we meet Willie and Brains in in our living with Spike as well. In, oh, oh yeah, yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Um, and as uh, like refugees. <laughs> also, uh, also, um, uh, Sam's girlfriend has uh, is working for this guy that collects cars and is uh, kind of hitting on her. McDreamy. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do have a bit of trivia here. Okay. Oh. Patrick Patrick Dempsey actually races cars. Oh, um, that's right. He, he does. Uh, he does endurance race. I don't know if he's specialized in it, but he won one race in 2015, and in 2016, he got second at the 24-hour Le Mans Classic. Hmm. Huh. Uh, you wonder see. if some of the cars in the shots were his? Could be. Um, yeah, it's possible. At the very least, he could drive them. <laughs> and then uh there's a really bad scene where uh Chang from Community uh <laughs> I'm not Wait, even going to describe actor, it. What's his actor's name? What? Ken Jong. Yeah, Ken yeah. Jong. Okay. <laughs> Who was an actual medical doctor? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and he's been reduced to this. Um yeah, there's it's it like he's basically trying to get a message to to Sam about uh stuff. Me does he, he corners do? him in the bathroom, which is probably the worst place to try and 
relay. And, and, yeah. and he takes the pants and the and he jumps yeah, out they, the window. And Sam's boss is like, "I'm not going to say anything. Whoever who you share your bath uh, a bathroom stall with is your own business." Well, he doesn't jump out of the window on his own. On his own. Right. Right. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah. By, by the way, uh, this is I think this is uh, basically Laserbeak is apparently tying up loose ends. Right. And, right. Uh, his character, uh, I forget what his character's name is. I think it's actually like Wang. I think. I think uh, yeah, Wang. I think so. Yeah, I think it is yeah. Wang. But anyways, he. Uh, I just liked how um, Laserbeak was like. He's he was like one of his favorite uh, pet humans, kind of thing. Uh-huh. And then and then he just pulls out two pistols to try <laughs> to try yeah. to shoot it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the and the the like fallout of like people are taking pictures of him and it's just like this yeah. is a, such a weird office like yeah like I don't know I, the first time I saw it I thought it was funny I re I rewatched a lot of this a lot of this first part and uh, today and it did not hold up to a second viewing um, doesn't so, really hold up to a first viewing to be completely yeah. honest well I mean well no I mean some of it does some of it does and you know the right the Come right on, the for the right mug. people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. We can go into what specifically what worked and what didn't work here in a minute. But uh, uh, let's see. So that leads to Sam going to the Autobots and saying, I got this information. And they're like, and uh, uh, also they've found some stuff on the other side of things. Uh uh, but they don't want to help. They don't want uh, Sam's help. So he sets up in his girlfriend's apartment and she gets mad at him because he can't go to the party because he's busy saving the world. Um, oh, wait, did uh, did we mention where the intelligence community finally explains what the was what that thing was doing? And there was a scene because I think we mentioned it there where uh, Todek was talking about Buzz Aldrin and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so Appar- it- yeah, apparently like only like 40 people knew about it, which is why they didn't even know it t- until right. they kind even of the, drag it out right now. Even the yeah. annoying intelligence lady didn't know about it until until just then. Um, Played by Frances McDormand. Hmm. And her assistant is Lane from Gilmore Girls. Yep. Yeah. Huh. And then they like go and get the, the remaining pillars because it's for this ultimate weapon that would have won them the war there's pillars and also optimus brings sentinel prime back to life sometime around this time um yeah using the uh the matrix yeah um yeah he just he just has to realize that there is no spoon um (laughs) what if i told you (laughs) do you think that's air you're breathing um so that leads to (laughs) <laughs> so that, also, also, um, apparently, uh, what's his name? Simmons is that his name? Who was in previous yeah. movies is it's like John now Church. a talking John head. Is it now a talking head? Like a uh, book? Like he wrote a book about all the stuff, and he's on with Bill O'Reilly. And yes, we do have Alan Tudyk as Dutch, his like personal assistant, assistant type person. Yeah. Um, and like, uh, appara- it's just kind of weird because like he went f- from like the the last film he was working in a butcher shop living with his mom like going on about his crazy like obsession and stuff like that in the basement and then he somehow turned that and what he did in the second movie into something that basically made him tons and tons of money well did um did the 
Because after well, the first movie, the the stuff that happened in New York or whatever whatever city that was like Mission uh, City in uh, Nevada. Where, where's the Hoover Dam again? It's yeah, in Las Vegas. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, yeah, okay. yeah, stu- like, sort of, they tried to keep it on the down low in yeah. the first movie. Yeah, it was and then it was the a giant movie cover just up. got blown yeah. wide open. That oh my god, the Transformers are actually on the planet. Yeah, so so, so it would make and sense. And then Michael Bay did the exact same thing with Will Arnett's character in the second Ninja Turtles movie. Oh jeez, I still hadn't seen That's that. Yet. Good. The second Ninja Turtles it's, movie is good. A I don't remember. Pretty good movie. I don't really yeah. remember. I d- okay, now that you mention that, I guess I kind of remember character Will takes Arnett's credit character. for stopping Shredder at the end of the first movie, and now he's famous and has a key to the city. Ugh. Yeah, no, it, it's it's he's it's a pretty minor part of the film, but I think that yeah, I think that especially the second Ninja Turtles film is 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 at least worth seeing. I think it's way <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's on- after watching after watching this movie. The Ninja Turtle movies that Michael Bay did are like those are like those are like Academy Award nominees. The second one is good. The first one I couldn't give a shit about. <laughs> I mean, I I liked it. Like I watched it and enjoyed it, which is more than I. I mean, I don't think that. I mean, there wasn't an hour and a half long third act building falling down in the in the first Ninja Turtles movie. So I don't know. I, I think done that wa- because there was one in the cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> just a bunch of mousers chewing away the building yes i yeah and 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 to hear my review of that listen to technodrome <laughs> tales i think that's episode that's episode two i think actually okay <laughs> um but uh anyway um so yeah so um they find some russians and that were cosmonauts and find out more about this conspiracy uh turns out that um, in reality, the uh, um, Sentinel Prime, the, the Predacons wanted to bring Sentinel Prime back to life because he could use this ultimate weapon, which is a, just a teleporter. I don't really understand how that would have won them the war. Um, I think the whole idea was that as a space... Well, when Optimus Prime was explaining what the space bridge was, they were talking about how it could bring resources uh, uh, and like help with like terraforming, rebuilding, that kind of thing. And then the other person was like, well, it can basically teleport people across the world in a matter of moments. You know, that's pretty much the best way to uh, start have like a surgical strike or to get, you know, supp- uh, a supply line behind enemy lines. Hmm. You know, like it, so it can be a pretty dangerous uh, support item. Yeah. Okay. I guess it just didn't seem like a very like. Just do a commando strike into the heart of the Predacon territory, kill their leader, and then take over in the confusion. I mean, I I guess it's just sort of a, I don't know. I mean, I guess, like, yes, if you had, uh, I guess they're smarter than me. Optimus Prime is theoretically (laughs) smarter than me, or Sentinel Prime is. I think think they're really, I think they're just really, really uh, concerned about the implications that uh, they can base, they can teleport from anywhere to anywhere with very little uh, with very little you know trouble. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing they can do to stop it. There's nothing that they can do to monitor it. I mean, I mean, and obviously the way that it is used in this is a thing. I just it doesn't feel like. I mean, this isn't like a a a thing that would kill all the Predacons instantly. Like it's it's a it's kind of a weird. Like it may have been key, but if like if the Predacons had way more 
like overwhelmed or uh, what <laughs> Decepticons. <laughs> yeah. Well, if the Predacons, <laughs> it's the Predacons basically a Harry up. Potter situation. Just kill Voldemort and everything goes back to normal. Yeah, I mean, I suppose. Uh, any, any, well, no, there's a power vacuum then, but anyway. So uh, the Autobots have Prime for their leadership suffix. Yeah. Do the Decepticons get anything? Nope. No. There was, in G1, there was a tease at one point that, um, was it Unicron who tried? Galvatron, maybe? Well, Shoxes? they all end in on. I'm just trying to remember who... who te- Somebody tried telling Galvatron that there was a, a matrix of leadership for the Decepticons. It might have been the Quintessons that might have done it. Oh. But, they, yeah, they tried to say that there was a, a matrix of leadership for the for the Decepticons when it turned out that there was not, in fact, one. Um, but there's no real item that per se that you can give to the to a Decepticon and they automatically are sort of the ruler or any sort of a uh, a lineage or anything like that. It's basically oh. whoever's the most powerful can pretty much be the one who calls the shots. Although yeah, that's, although probably just, there's a bloodline or something because Megatron is the leader and then Megatron is the leader in Beast Wars. Yeah, yeah. Just, it depends. Sometimes they do that too. Uh, but one of the odd things about all like a lot of the continuities, like all the comics and stuff like that, is that uh, the Decepticons, for one way or another, are always a splinter group from Cybertronians in general. It's like, like it's basically like the Matrix of uh, leadership and all of that stuff are basically a tradition of just normal Cybertronian ways, or in the Mirror Universe kind of stuff. It's like it's still an oppressive kind of way of things, but that's always like. When they're all known as Cybertronians, that's kind of part of the normal stuff. And then the Decepticons are like, decide like have split off in their own group that are trying to make their own traditions. And if okay. there's a, a tale of fair Verona and a tale of fair Cybertronia. <laughs> <laughs> um, and actually, now that I think about it, with with relation to Megatron and Beast Wars, um, the Megatron that we've got in Beast Wars. Uh, isn't a direct descendant of G1 Megatron. He actually he takes the name Megatron from the G1 Megatron. Like he he sort of inspired and okay. decides to take on the name. Primal calls him out on it too. Yeah, basically calls him a fanboy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. So. Uh, um. More broad strokes. So. Uh. Uh. So Spock shows up and uh, addresses the United Nations and is like. We're just going to take some of your natural resources, um, and you should get, and, and oh, you'll have lots of peace and prosperity, wait, or something. This is you. You forgot to mention the the heel turn because this is at the point basically when uh, Sam and them figure out that the that basically the Decepticons were setting them up to bring Sentinel Primes because they needed him there. Uh, like shortly after, like they all kind of like bring Sentinel Prime in for protection to a certain like research thing he kind of turns around and re- reveals that he made a deal with Megatron. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So yeah, I yeah. think I said something about he, that, but anyway. And then he murders think, Ironhide. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which I was I saw that happen. I was like, man, that's one of the that's one of the characters that that's one of the Transformers that almost has a personality. Yeah. <laughs> um so I yeah. Also I think it's the only character that dies in this movie. Um 
the only character that Jeez. has multiple lines. <laughs> like, uh, like, well, I was going to say Q only gets like a few moments of personality and a few lines, but Ironhide had more. Ironhide had a, a really cool scene where he fought against a couple of Decepticons with, uh, was it sideway, uh, Sideswipe? I think so, yeah. Er, but, like, there's wait. not even. I feel like there's not even any, like, civilian casualties corvette? in this movie. Like, there was Sideswipe, Dino, and. Um, dang it, I forget what the other one was. I'm trying to remember. Was it the, was it the Corvette that he was fighting, fighting alongside? Now, when you say civilian casualties, do you mean named civilians? <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, like there's okay. not, there's not like a somebody's love interest gets killed or somebody's friend gets killed. I mean, like, so, sideswipe. Yeah, was it the, is sideswipe. Uh, it's yeah. yeah, it's Ironhide and sideswipe versus the dreads. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's Ken Jeong like gets killed. You're like right. A, you're right. Yeah. 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 They're called dreads because they actually have dreadlocks. Yeah. <laughs> um. But anyway. Uh. uh um. So trying to trying to miss plot points here, trying to just get through this so we can actually talk about what we think of the movie. This was supposed to be like a five minute so, summary, not a well, forty five minute one. <laughs> well, just I think in a quick succession after the, the that reveal, Sentinel Prime goes to Washington D.C., lets loose a bunch of more Decepticons that are around, and then does the uh, the speech to the UN okay. that like, hey, get rid of the Autobots and we'll just get our resources and go. So they send the Autobots up in this uh, in this weird halfway Autobot shuttle and halfway space shuttle. Yeah, what they used to get to in the first place. And uh, and then um, uh, before that, though, Sam goes to confront his girlfriend. Turns out McDreamy is evil, and that oh, his right. dad yeah, has been working with the Decepticons. So he's working with the Decepticons, and the car is a, and the sound and wave. the car is sound uh, sound wave. And they make him wear this really cool watch. <laughs> yeah, to be <laughs> fair, I did kind of think it was weird that he gave her a car. Like they make a point of it earlier in yeah. the movie, and like I knew the minute uh, that they tried to escape from the party that the, I was like, oh, that's why you got the car. But I'm surprised I didn't realize sooner that yeah. oh, it's probably yeah, yeah. Um, the watch thing is is like I like I think it's kind of cool that they did a thing, but like why did they decide that it had to, he had to be constantly in pain when he had the watch? And why on? did and why did it seem to have because control of him? Because it had control of his nervous system. Yeah, yeah, but he, you think the robot would know not to just basically? It looked like he was almost like you know waving his his watch over someone's hair, like through its <laughs> hair through their hair at one point, and it was like uh yeah, yeah, See, like he I, wasn't because uh, I felt like he wasn't like the way they were writing him. He wasn't fighting it. Like he was, he was yeah. actively trying to cooperate. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so the Autobots leave. Uh, Optimus says, "No, there's no, uh, there's no plan. We, we, we don't. We're all, we're all just gonna leave. Uh, keep, you know, keep being good. And then, yeah, and then Starscream blows them up." I don't know if that's Starscream or not, but it's a jet. Yeah, that, that was Starscream. Yeah. Okay, they all look uh, the same to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Anyway, uh, so then uh, Sam decides to go on a road trip with one of the characters from the first movie um, to Chicago because they find out through uh, uh, Alan Tudyk figures out where the where the guy took the girlfriend, and uh, they pick up the guy from the first movie's friends. Who apparently he didn't tell them that they were going to go fight alien robots before he picked them up. <laughs> well, 
okay, so um, he got rid of the watch uh, at this point because they're like, okay, we just want to make sure he had no plans. And then uh, when he, when Sentinel Prime and the other Decepticons set up at Chicago, they worked very hard to basically black out the entire city, so no one knew, so no one like outside the city actually knew how like how terribly uh, ravaged it was. Like all they knew is that something was going on, and everyone was like, "What the hell is going on?" Yeah, but I mean, they, there were two movies before yeah. this. Yeah, I know they. <laughs> like, they, they I, I kind of, it did seem kind of odd that they did not suspect. Oh, there's going to be Decepticons here. Yeah. Maybe they didn't expect the flying ships because that was kind of new. Even yeah. give a reason for why this was happening in Chicago? Um, because that's where Trump Tower is. Well, there's that. Uh, but, yeah, um, I mean, that's how I knew Patrick Dempsey was evil in this movie. <laughs> uh, I do remember that the the. Uh, the TF wiki points out that it basically has something to do with tax breaks. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, maybe uh, it's like they had to use a specific tower in order to conjure Zool. Yeah. Like, I mean that, that if they had thrown that line in, that might've like, you know, made it seem less like that, but yeah. Um, dang it. Where is it? There's, actually, there's, a, yeah, there's... that's right. Cause of the tax breaks. Cause that's where they also filmed the, uh, Chris Nolan Batman movies. Because of the yeah. tactics. Dang it. Um, anyway, so... Uh, and then this is where the movie basically turns into a giant action scene. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff happens that does that really, really doesn't matter. Like, the they go to the place and they're going to blow up the one piece of the thing that... Is gonna that will stop everything, yeah, and there's, then there's the Autobots show up, and there's and, one p- specific capsule that's like the control that they yeah yeah it's like a control rod or something along those lines, and some <laughs> and some commandos show up, and they figure out that if you aim for the eyes, that's apparently the weak spot, oh, spot. a good weak spot. Um, uh, they run in. They run into the Autobots who we thought were dead when it turns out that they were just hiding in mm-hmm. a booster rocket. So now it's like the commandos and uh, transformers again. Yeah, and then um, and then they win because uh, because <laughs> Sam's girlfriend uh, reminds Megatron that Megatron should be the boss and He's supposed much, to be yeah. a badass. Yeah, and then like and then like doesn't after after the because I'm I was so checked out by this point. So Megatron takes down Sentinel Prime. And yeah. and then like he like wants to be op- he's like okay now Optimus we can just be well, friends for a second and Optimus is like no like, you're just, bad it's like he just saved your life but well I think see that one of the things that uh, you gloss over is that they destroyed Cybertron and I think like Megatron's like you know what I just want to be leader of the Decepticons again so how about a truce and he and. I think the actual line was like, after all, you're, what, are, what is Optimus Prime without me, Megatron? Mm. And he's like, let's find out. And he just cracks, yeah. it, cracks his head off. Yeah. yeah. After all, you're a little bit country and I'm a little bit rock and roll. It's, I mean, basically, <laughs> basically what, um, what he answered the question is what would happen if Batman just shot the Joker? Yep. Pretty yeah. much. And the answer is they would keep making movies. Yeah. The answer is Injustice and Injustice 2. Except that Superman kills the Joker. Yeah, Superman kills the Joker. Yeah, that's that's a pretty key thing. Um. Anyway, uh, like, hey Batman, I heard you're having problems with the Joker. Here, let me give him a hand through the chest. <laughs> okay. Uh. So yeah. So that's the movie, basically, right? Yeah. Oh. Um. 
just want to point out they fought and killed Starscream and Shockwave uh, and Shockwave and Soundwave. That yep. was supposed to be Soundwave. That that uh, Soundwave and Bear and they said someone that looked like Barricade that or at least had the same voice. Uh, basically executed Q and then yes. and then uh, they interfered and basically were able to get free and and uh, take the, take them down. And they got rid of uh, Shockwave because <laughs> Brains and uh, Wheelie got into one of the ship's carriers and caused it to crash into the into the river. Mm-hmm. So, so this is this. Here's here's what my my critique of this film basically comes down to. Because I was so checked out by the time I got to that point where those those might have been interesting moments. Uh, yeah. Like like this movie would have been a really really solid tight. Like ninety minute, maybe a hundred and maybe even two hours. You could probably make cut stuff so that this was a two hour film, and yeah. and it would have felt really solidly tight. Because the first, I mean, I mean, the 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 jokes are not the best. The characters are kind of goofy. Sam's kind gotten. of a, a a really annoying throughout the the thing. So it's 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 not great. But um, but I think the first the the concept in the first. Uh, hour and a half or so of the film are pretty solid where it falls apart is that is the is the ending action sequence that's like literally 45 minutes of them fighting in chicago and and the i mean the yeah the because the because the the transformers all look the same because they're this michael bay model and and i don't have enough and i didn't feel like any of the characters were any real danger and uh I don't know. I mean, that's that's really where it where it falls apart is is if they'd a yeah if they'd a if they'd a cut it cut it down and there's no reason why was this movie so long? I don't know. I mean, I mean tickets the, cost like ten dollars like, no matter what. <laughs> yeah, I I mean the 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 I like the action sequence like you said just felt like it was long and just kept on going and going and going and like I'm trying to think like where you actually can cut it like. And I'm like, there's basically just like, if you did a montage kind of thing, maybe, you know, more, more of just, instead of like basically showing the, uh, the whole thing with the, the commando group coming in or, or, uh, or basically some of the, basically them, like the whole log scene of them going through that building. Like if they maybe just Mm -hmm. limited down to a couple of shots of like, oh, they, they basically broke through this end to get to that, to the other side. Or, here comes the helicopter, somewhere attacked by Starscream, but the, but these guys jumped out, and now and now they're meeting up with the others. You know, like, mm-hmm. instead of, like... Yeah, like, I um, mean, other than just, just being cool-looking for, for coolness sake, like, like, like that scene with the, the paratroopers I, I was talking, or but with the commandos, right? Yeah. They yeah. used wingsuits. Yep. They had they jumped out on their helmets. Yeah. And they jumped like they jumped out of there. And at one point, they they he even uses the term "thread the needle" so to get rid of one of the the, sh- the ships that are chasing after them. Like there is a literal chase of uh, of U.S. military in wingsuits flying through Chicago, being chased by ro- Decepticon <laughs> spaceships. And I'm like, you don't need that. You, cer- you, know you certainly you don't need, need that. In the in the context of every, in addition to everything else, but like yeah. some some of the stuff that could have been cut, like there's like the moment where where they find the drone that they've gone out of their way to be like we've got a you know we've got one drone left, 
Because they blew up all our other drones. Let's send a drone. Oh, that's a good idea. Why don't you send that drone? Okay. And they talk about it for five minutes, and then they send the drone, yeah. and then and then it happens to crash right next to Sam, and the and the guy from the first movie's like, "Can you move? Uh, we're people. Can you move the head?" And they're like, "Ooh, look at this. What's this?" He's like, "No, move the head." And it like cuts to like them watching him say, "Move the head." And yeah. <laughs> it's like. Like, like stuff like that. You could, yeah. I mean, like, like literally, like the 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 building getting destroyed. The the um, I don't even remember. How did they end up blowing up? The, did they end up blowing up the 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 red pillar? Yeah. Um. Uh. Actually, uh, it wasn't with Soundwave, but when they took out down sh- Shockwave, uh, Prime, I believe. Yeah, uses Prime his uses Shockwave's cannon to shoot yeah. it, and then. That Dylan guy, the Carly's boss guy, uh, starts it up again, and Sam kicks him into it and kills him. Yeah, yeah. And there is a terrible <laughs> stunt double for Sam doing parkour in one yes, scene. Yes, I saw that too. It is laughably bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and the, uh, that's the other thing is that that Dylan character, I guess, is his name. You son of a He's, bitch. It's like like he. I didn't understand why he didn't like just flip at some point. Like at some point you have to realize that, uh, that you chose the wrong side. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's specifically what he was talking about. He, he made a choice to stick, stick with the winning side. I think it was kind of obvious at, some, at many times during this, that the, the Autobots were basically going to win. Like they weren't going to just give up. Uh-huh. Hey, you know, the problem you know, there. Oops. Sorry. Go ahead, Eric. I was going to say, the problem there, though, is that if the Autobots do win, he's probably going to be arrested. Yeah, yeah. but if he if he made a show that he helped in the end, like he flipped sides, he might have been able to get, like, uh, only two lifetimes. Yeah. Well, well, no, but- no, because cause he could make the argument that he had to work with them because they were going to kill him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he pretty much was working for them also under under threat of his life, not also, just, also, you know, money. Like when when they started destroying Chicago and and he they were like, he, and she was like you didn't know they were gonna do this and he was like well I wasn't in all the meetings and he said there were several things that he said at that point that that sort of suggested that uh, he was yeah, aware he that he was gonna get if if the if the Predacons won he was going to get killed yeah so like if this was well, any sort of good movie you would have had a redemption that's the type of character that would have a, re- a little bit of a redemption. At least at the end, you know, maybe instead of telling Sam's girlfriend the way to, to, to defeat them, like, have him be the one that tells Sam how to defeat the Predacons. Decepticons. This is war and beast. I, I want to do mean. the same, too. Um, well, well, tell him how to, what, the, what he needs to do is tell him how to defeat the Predacons and then put that on the golden disc. <laughs> so he'll go back and... Yes. Okay. Um, for me, there there was a oh god, there was so much stuff that could have been cut from this movie. Anything to do with Sam's parents could have been cut from this movie. Yeah, we did not need that. That could have probably taken out like a good ten, fifteen minutes out of the like movie he, right there. I did like the line this- about his car, his shitty uh, Datsun. I, I no, actually, you know what? I thought I thought the Sam because the, there were there were only like two scenes with Sam's parents. In it. Yeah, yeah I thought that, I thought it was all right, and it was kind of a, 
it was uh, uh, there were several things in this movie that were kind of callbacks to the first movie, and I thought that that yeah. was stuff that worked. Um, let's actually uh, let's actually sort of because I, I if people are still listening to us complain about this movie, um, <laughs> I I apologize that we have been so negative. I I think I'm there not is apologizing. There is good to say about this movie, so let's all go around and say what we liked about this movie, starting with you, Greg. Oh, I got to think about this. Um, the fact that we got Prime's trailer for the first time in a movie was good. Um, I definitely like that. Um, yeah, that's about it. That's all I really got. <laughs> okay, that's. I mean, that's that's fine. If you like, if you legit like, I just I think there are I think there are a lot of of neat things that came out of this film. It just I mean, obviously it's flawed. So I want to well, sort I, of I will, talk about some of the some of the positive aspects of it. I will say that I really did like Alan Tudyk's role in this because yeah. I, I do like him as an actor and i thought he was really good i've never been a huge fan of john turturro but he was decent in this one um but i thought that alan tudyk really for the most part the scenes that he re- that he was in he really stole it for me oh definitely like, definitely yeah um so there's a couple of things i actually like in general about this was um and this is just this is just a general thing about these movers that I actually do. I do kind of like the alienish designs of them. I mean, yeah, in those big fighting scenes all, where all the Decepticons are just gray and they all look the same, it's really hard. But the individual Autobots, uh, they've been really working, especially Sentinel Prime, they've been really working to make them distinct. And I kind of like that. That eh, Like I... just some of the things. Like Sentinel Prime had a beard, you yeah. know? Which I thought was kind of cool. I thought Ooh, Optimus yeah. in this looked more... He looked brighter than he did in previous films. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also... Well, well I, I think I said off-air, like, sometimes they seems like they were, like, nods to previous... Like, to the, to the toy lines, to the comics and stuff, might have just been, like, thrown in or added after the end. I still do appreciate that they try. Like, you know, throwing in, uh, like, you know, just some characters in lore from the show like the the space bridge uh the um Central prime um laser beak you know just just some of the stuff like that and, and it was like kind of a neat little nods that that i do enjoy even if some of the other ones that were kind of forced right. and i'm trying to think i think there was one more thing um uh, it'll come to me later okay yeah that's fine you <laughs> can those, uh, those are the top ones how about you how about you eric what did you what did you enjoy about the film uh, I mean, I got some actual decent laughs from moments that were intended to be funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the part where the credits started rolling. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you one thing I hated and that I'm probably going to have a nightmare about is the terrible CGI of John F. Kennedy's face. Oh, uh, yeah, that was bad. Oh, I didn't notice or that. Or as large of a budget as they had there were some cgi shots that just seemed really cheap like when all the pieces were going up into space there were a couple of shots where it looked like a classic 50s sci-fi where they were just moving an image on the film Yeah, um, I think that's that's sort of a trap that you fall into when you lean so heavily on the bleeding edge of technology in a film like this, uh, that is that even just a few years later, 
um, if a scene looked ba- looks bad, it looks really bad. So like you know, the JFK's face thing maybe wouldn't have looked so bad if we hadn't had Rogue One. Um, yeah. Although I didn't notice the JFK's face thing, but I think I don't have the I don't I don't have the uncanny valley issues that some people have. So yeah, I think we should and all be replaced by computer animation. Between this movie and the trailers I've seen for the next Transformers, seems like Michael Bay really loves destroying V twenty two Ospreys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I think he took yeah. out about a dozen in this movie. Uh, they feature wrecking themselves prominently in the next trailer. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so what I, in, what I enjoyed about the film, uh, were you done, Eric? Is that, uh, did you yeah, have, uh, yeah, pretty much. Okay. Okay. And if you guys want to jump in with more positive things, you can be like, more positive. I wouldn't say I hated the movie. I would say it was kind of like eating a mediocre steak. Where there are a lot of bites where it's not that great, and then you get to the occasional bite that's actually good. So you're like, oh, you know, I'll keep eating. Mm-hmm. But you keep getting disappointed. But yeah. before you know it, you've finished it anyways. Oh, before you know it? <laughs> well, no. okay. Okay. No, there's seems a, like at an least eternity. At one point, you're wondering, why is there still more? Should yeah. I eat more? <laughs> uh, maybe I'll eat more. Um, Anyway, um, like, I, mean, I, I don't want to give it to the it. dog. So <laughs> I paid for it. I might as well eat it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so here's here's some stuff I liked about it. So, first of all, I liked the idea of I always like sort of um, smoke filled rooms conspiracy stuff in movies. So, I really like the idea that the the Transformers, the alien stuff, is the reason for the space race. Um. Oh. I even liked the idea that that stuff was related to Chernobyl. Um, the there were a lot of good character moments. I thought, um, uh, well, you know what? I actually did. I actually do like uh, Sam's parents. Like, I like that his mom is like very hyper energy stuff, uh, and his dad still just wants him to get a job. I did think it was kind of funny when he's like, "You've been out of you've been out out of school for three months and you still haven't found a job." Oh. It's like, oh yeah, oh, oh yeah, that's uh, oh. <laughs> if only. Um, See, I I found that there was. I always find that with the Transformers movies, there's way too much human injected into a movie that I want to have be about I, just a yes. bunch of robots fighting each other. And I just found that for the third movie in a row, we have comic relief parents mm-hmm. when they have comic relief robots yes we, we yeah, don't work need... in american pie yeah but you don't have fighting robots in american no, pie. I... look look i i understand the, i understand the criticism greg i 100 percent. i mean it's just like if you're look i'm just kind of looking for some some positives here because yeah. i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to spend i don't want to spend the whole time I've listened to podcasts where people dump on movies for for the whole time, and it's hard to listen to. So I'm trying to doing it more for the listeners' benefit. Trying to give I them a little bit of a, a little bit of positive here. Um, I'm sorry, listeners. I like that the mom questions how he's able to get such beautiful girlfriends. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. And even at one point when it seems like they are broken up, she's like, "You're not going to get a third. And the woman's <laughs> called. And, and the book's called "The Woman Comes First. Yeah. <laughs> It was great. Um, 
What is yeah. it that his dad says where he's like, "You're you just gotta learn that you're always wrong." You're always wrong. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and she comes first is an actual book. Yeah, I, I was gonna say oh, okay. I think that is an actual book. Well, you know, the Thinking Man's Guide to Pleasuring a Woman. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, that's the subtitle to the book. Wait, okay. does that? Wait, does this mean like that she does some? She makes like some inappropriate like. Uh, well, at one point she's like, "Why do these women like you? Is it because you have a big yeah? You know yeah." And they're then he brings back the classic Transformers one. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, like, like there was one in the uh, there was the scene in the second movie where she basically ate pot brownies and and, and then was going around running around the college campus. Yeah, tackles a, a jock for a frisbee. Um, okay, so what else? What else did I enjoy? Um, the uh, so the the montage of of job interviews of Sam's job interviews. I thought was clever the first time. I didn't think it held up as well the second time. Um, but like just him spouting off like all the, all the um, like just sort of random meaningless business jargon. Like, I just feel like I've been around so much of that in my time. Um, and then, and then him having uh, him, him finally, the guy that hires him is the one that actually calls him out on it. Um, that was, he was an interesting character too. Like it was, yeah, it, it was, Oh, I was that trying was to remember John Malkovich, was it? Yeah, that's what I was yeah. going to say. I think that was yeah, John I kind of felt like they went with Malkovich after uh, they couldn't get shit. I forgot his name. Christopher uh, Walken? Hey, there we go. Mm. Yes. Oh, that would have been awesome. Yeah, because they definitely wanted someone to be an odd boss. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really. It, and it's just weird that they. It's interest. It's interesting to me that there was so in the in the first, especially in the first half of this movie, there was so much attempted comedy, so much attempted goofiness, um, sort of juxtaposed with the action being still pretty dark and the and the uh, yeah the Transformers themselves oh God, being yeah. dirty. You know what? That's that's one of the things that stood out to me in this movie. You really do actually get a much clearer shot of the human casualties that are going on. Like there's a oh, couple yeah. of. There's a couple of scenes where you literally see them blast a group of humans and they disintegrate. Yeah. Like the uh-huh. o- the other, like the other times, like the other movies, it's more of just you know explosions happening, people are flying, uh, they're falling around, and people are scrambling. You don't normally see a lot of them like you know rip, actually crushing or ripping or p- punching or hurting people specifically. Mm. Like, um, when I mean, when did did this come? Do you know if this film came out before or after Man of Steel? I can't. Uh, Pretty sh- I'm pretty sure it was before. Um, you have IMDb pulled up. I have Star Trek yeah, Generations this pulled is up for like some reason. June Man of Steel was 2013. Yeah, yeah, and Dark of the Moon was 2011, so okay. it was two yeah, years before. Okay, okay. Because I, yeah, I, I, maybe the civilian casualty thing was, uh, maybe Man of Steel was trying to outdo this one with the civilian casualties. Although I didn't think this was, <laughs> like, I mean the the point of this of this movie was or I mean the point of that that portion of the of the movie was that they are destroying the city. It wasn't it wasn't yeah. uh, collateral damage. It was it was yeah that they, was were, the, they were outright basically showing that they boys. were they were dominating and such. I guess 
Yeah. Okay. So we can now let's snake back around and we can and we can really start to complain. I'm going to give my <laughs> I'm going to give my uh, you know, since we've been so positive. No, actually, actually, there's probably one or two more things that I wanted to say positively. Yeah, I actually thought most of the human characters were pretty all were done pretty. All right. Um, yeah, it's just a shame. It's just yeah. a shame that 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 ending action sequence was so bad because that that really I was on board. I was on board all yeah, the way like- until then. Like, I don't think some of the individual parts of the action scene were bad. It's just that they, it was so long. Like there were, mm-hmm. and I, like I mentioned before, and like we were saying before, like there's just, there's a point where you're just wondering, like, why is this still going on? Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're kind of at the point where you feel like I will take any kind of ending if it wouldn't just keep going this long. Right. And, and I guess, I guess at least you don't see an ending coming. Like sometimes, yeah. sometimes in those kinds of things, it's like every scene you think it's going to be the last scene, and then it's not. Yeah, but. yeah, <sighs> yeah, yeah. But I was going to say, I do, I do, I do like some of the the like. I mean, human characters are were kind of neat and interesting. As a, as I said, like I liked, and you mentioned the the conspiracy theory. I do kind of like that. Uh, you know, Soundwave, Laserbeak, and such were more were shown that they were manipulating humans much more, much longer than, than previously thought. Mm. Uh, uh, Wang was a little over the top, but he still had his, had like a moment or two. And like, didn't like, didn't the, besides being his boss, like didn't Malkovich actually come show up again to like look at Bumblebee or something like yeah, that? Yeah. Like, he, he got some information weird, for Sam and then, and and like weird. the in exchange he got to he got to meet Bumblebee. Yeah. And I think that had something to do with his obsession with yellow, but they never really <laughs> brought it out. Oh yeah, I didn't think about that. Right? Right? Cuz that's what I was thinking was like like cuz they they in the movie they did this whole thing where like he was absolutely livid about color coding his his floor. Like every floor, like apparently other floors had different colors, like one had red and he was like yelling at someone because they had a red mug instead of a yellow mug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. Uh, yeah. That I liked, I liked that bit. That was a bit that worked for me. And then, and then, and then there's payoff because, uh, Sam's girlfriend brings him a cup of, uh, yes. of, uh, Twizzlers in a red cup and, uh, yeah. red Twizzlers in a red cup. And you can yeah, kind of like- tell, you can kind of either, and that either su- suggests that, that John Malkovich's character likes Sam or, that that recommendation from the board was like a you can do you can do whatever this guy this guy, this guy needs to work for you yeah um cuz cuz you can kind of see the look he gives is like are you <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so so i'm going to do i'm going to give just uh just a few uh, short negative things um and then we can probably uh turn the corner with this i think we've uh beating this dead horse pretty heavily. Uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to say a few negative things. We can all say some negative things. Cause I think we all, and then, and then let's give up a, a rating out of five, uh, at the end of our, okay. at the end of our closing statement here, we'll each give, I'll give a closing statement and we'll snake back around. So, um, so my, so a couple of my big issues with it, first of all, the, the ship that, so the plan was that, so Megatron apparently had made some deal with Sentinel Prime that he was going to fly to the moon and get blown up partway, and then a bunch of years later they were going to resurrect him 
and then enslave I, the humans? I think the idea was that they were going to go to Earth to meet up, and he was going to defect and give them the space bridge, the yeah. Decepticons the space bridge, except they both got waylaid. Like, he wasn't supposed to crash on the moon. Something basically shot him, and he crashed on the moon. But why didn't, why didn't Megatron tell them, don't shoot this guy? I think it was because uh, he wanted to keep it a secret. If anything, Megatron's always keeping secrets and plans within plans, even to his detriment. Okay. It okay. could have been two as well that it might have been somebody like Starscream who might have just disobeyed. It just yeah. it, it feels it like a plot hole. It feels like a plot hole where that could have been filled with all of the talking and stuff that was in the <laughs> movie. Um, yeah. So that's a so that's that's really my biggest thing i feel like there was and then yeah we've we've beaten into the ground how the 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 action sequence at the end was was an issue and then also it also always kind of bugs me when there's when you watch a a movie or read a comic or whatever and it's like it's clearly there's good guys and there's bad guys here you should support the good guys like like you're like bill o'reilly i guess bill o'reilly is always wrong but uh but he's like so you're saying we should take sides in this interstellar war? And he's like, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, the other side just tried to invade us. Like, like, duh. But yeah. Um, yeah. So those are my, those are my big, my big complaints. What about you, Eric? Oh, wait, wait, wait. No. Um, by the way, uh, two and a half stars out of five, I would say watch this movie while you're playing a video game or something. Or, or do a, or if you're doing like a marathon or something. The good thing about the action scene at the end is you can half pay attention. It's a good thing like to half pay attention to. Okay, sorry. Go ahead, Eric. I was just gonna say, for the most part, the soundtrack did not seem cohesive. It yeah. seemed like they would just take yeah. a random song and put it over what was happening on screen. And I know that it probably sounds like a weird quibble to have with the movie. But it just sounded like somebody had their phone set to random in their music collection, <laughs> or they got the licenses to their to bands playing songs for them first, and then just had to figure out where to put them. That's true. Yeah i i didn't I didn't notice that except for I think the first scene where you meet the where you meet Sam's girlfriend when it, when she's when it's like a close up of her butt. Whatever that song is, because it's taken right from the the real cinematic tone that's set of the in the flashback sequences, and then you see that, and it's it's like it's like a mediocre pop song, but like mm-hmm. really forgettable. Like if you're gonna change yeah. the tone like that, you need to be playing something that's more str- a song that's more striking and, and catchy and memorable. Between this one and the first movie as well, it feels to me like they're always trying to have Optimus say something like really deep and metaphorical and symbolic and eventually it just sounds like he's saying nothing basically <laughs> yeah it's like yeah. oh we there is hope within humans and oh they could be great and we'll have to watch over them and you got to give 110% and make sure to be a team player <laughs> The second movie had a had a line where he said, "Fate rarely chooses us at a time that like essentially it boils down to like fate doesn't really choose you at an opportune time, but it still like, chooses you." What I want to know basically has like fortune cookie 
yeah one-liners to say it, to sound really profound like when like yeah. when sam says this isn't my war and he says i fear it soon will be which yeah. also which, yeah. your lucky numbers are <laughs> which which also also um i i think i think that they should have when um when dylan says when it isn't your war you should choose the winning side and uh he uh sam should have said it you may not think it's your war but i fear it soon will be <laughs> And then he tries to get Dylan to shove a thing into his chest. <laughs> uh, overall, I guess I would say a two. Like, I don't hate it. If it was on TV and there's nothing else on, I would watch it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Are you going to seek out the rest of the series now? Part two and part four and then midnight showing of uh, part five? <laughs> I mean, I kind of want to see part five just to figure out what the hell it is, because all the trailers seem to show two different movies, pretty much. <laughs> now, but to be fair, most Transformers kind of movies are at least like. two different movies. Right. I mean, that's kind of what this one felt like. It yeah. <laughs> started off Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Autobot, and then transformed into The Longest Day versus Decepticons. <laughs> I I I don't know. I might give this like a two and a half, possibly three. Like, a definitely average. Like this, I didn't really. The only main complaint I could actually have about this whole thing was the length. That's that's only the mm. only thing I could ever ever really be down on this about. Like the other things are nitpicky and just you know things that I'll think about after the fact. You know, like things that I'll think about in retrospect talking about it while watching it. It's yeah, it's pretty fun. Like, you know, it's just, and like the first movie and like I've said, like we were said off air is that it's a popcorn movie. Like it's something that is easy to sit down and either watch the, the, the action or whatever, or do something while the action's going on. Uh, and, and, you know, and it doesn't have to really, you know, hit you very hard. <laughs> and I, I guess I could also mention, like, I, and part of me is kind of disappointed about that because of all the other stuff that I've seen of Transformers. Like, I guess I expect more out of it, but at the same time, I understand that this is a movie franchise made by people with only a, with only a slight passing use by some of the, like, more dedicated writers and stuff like that, and Hasbro obviously is more concerned about selling toys than actually making an epic story-wide uh, arc. So, like, you know, it's while I kind of am disappointed that they don't do more, I can kind of, I don't blame them for it. I mean, it's not like the movies are intended for hardcore Transformers fans. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not really supposed, like, it's not really trying to be, you know, the kind who collect who collect, who've watched like years and years of this, of these shows and, or read the comics or anything like that. I think also, um, our expectations as, uh, nerds or whatever of superhero type movies have, have like our, uh, the bar has been raised over the last 10 years or so. And, uh, some of the, and some franchises that started before that, uh, that, uh, you know, before Iron Man, you know, pre Iron, uh, BI, uh, uh, franchises, uh, like this and like the X Men franchise had some, had some stumbling blocks and, and, you know, maybe, maybe even, uh, the Spider Man, 
uh, franchise had some stumbling blocks that uh, where where they they didn't quite figure out what to do, and so you know, I think the X Men movies have kind of figured out how to keep making good movies in their own style, and maybe the Transformers movies haven't, although. The Ninja Turtles movies are better than the Transformers movies, and that's still Michael Bay. So maybe he did figure it out. He just didn't apply it yet. So, mm. okay. Uh, and you did you give it a rank, the rating? I think Jordan, you said like a two yeah, and a half yeah, two or and a half, three. possibly three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Greg, your turn. <laughs> All right. Um, thinking it over, there, there's two. I'll I'll just I'll I'll limit it to two grapes that I've got about this movie. Um, one is. A, that I'm because I'm a huge G1 nerd, so I'll leave that for now and I'll go back to it. The the first gripe that I have, I really uh, I am not a fan of Shia LaBeouf, and I wish that his story arc had ended with the second movie. And thinking more on it, you know who I would have liked to have seen this story arc actually focus on if we were going to be focusing on a human character, and if we've got Michael Bay directing another movie where he's talking about the military. I would have liked to have seen them actually go into why uh, Tyrese Gibson's character was no longer in Nest. Like, why did he leave the military? If you wanted to have something compelling in, in your movie, follow along with Epps and why he left and how he got pulled back in. Yeah, because that was actually like a little neat thing. Like, he did yeah. get a little thing explain why he was working on the Engineer Corps with the Wreckers. And he was one of the guys who basically pulled together the the civilian uh, attack group that went into the city before the commando group. Yeah, I, I would have much rather seen something a bit more compelling rather than I would have rather had that as the human connection in this movie than another movie focusing on Shia LaBeouf's character, because I really do not like him. <laughs> <laughs> and he was definitely like. He was definitely more annoying in this movie than in previous ones. Yeah. Yeah, because he, 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 like, he keeps going back and forth. That's the problem. Like, in the first one, he kind of didn't want to get involved, but at the same time, he, you know, he uh, was having fun. In the second one, he didn't want to be drawn into – he wanted to have nothing to do with the Autobots anymore, and he was drawn he into He wanted it. to go back to normal life, which life. is and, understandable. And then in this one, he is living a normal life, and he's like, "I don't feel important anymore." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's and it's like, I, what did you? Ex- uh, I guess it's just like you're, you know, you really should have think these things through before you spend a whole movie ex- explaining what you want. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's a he's a young adult. He doesn't know what he wants. I don't know what yeah. I want. Yeah. I know what I wanted in this movie, and it certainly wasn't him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. My second point, and as I alluded to earlier, um, being raised on G1 as a kid, um, and I'm going to say this about all, well, the first one wasn't as bad. The first Transformers movie was different, but I I could respect the take that they were making with, with Optimus. Second movie had a really cool scene in a forest battle where Optimus is, is being very sacrificial willing to take on three opponents to keep Sam safe. But then we sort of get a little bit of a turn towards the end of that fight. And then at the end of this, at the end of that movie, we get the famous, I want your face scene. And that just completely threw me. That that was not the way that I expected that character to be is very bloodthirsty. And we get 
even more of that in this one, which is really off-putting to me because Optimus is supposed to be this. He's supposed to be a leader, and while yes, he he's faced millions of years of war, he still has the sensibility and the decency to try and not resort to bloodthirsty conflict necessarily. Yeah, I think and, Sentinel Prime thought that too because at one point then he says he wasn't all, he he despite being a leader he never would make the hard choices. Yeah. And then Optimus performs a fatality. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like he 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 Gets basically the- drives his fist through shockwave um and and essentially tells the Autobots to just kill all the Decepticons. Like I think I, yeah. I can't remember the exact line but it's No, no, it's, yeah, it's when the, they when when they save the the civilian group because they get yeah. ambushed, and he's like, "We will kill them all." Like he's yeah. he's he's basically saying they're gonna de- they're not gonna take any prisoners. Yeah, and that I'm like that that is not the way that it should be with that character. He um, buries his axe into Sentinel's head and then rips out his. Uh, no, that that was Megatron that he did that too. Oh, was it? Yeah, Sentinel Prime. Oh, okay, I was gonna say basically Prime, the Mortal he Kombat. executes Sentinel Prime as well. Yeah. He like shoots in Mortal Prime. Kombat, pulling his head and spine out, and yeah. then holding it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah that that it, it was just so completely out of character. I felt, and I, I, if I ever ever have a chance to be at a con or something where I can just ask Peter Cullum one question, I'm going to ask him what his thoughts are on on that sort of stuff because the guy has played the character since the beginning for over 20 years you have to wonder what his thoughts are on because i know the history of the character when he was first thinking of a voice and mannerisms for this character he based on based it off of his brother who had been in i think he was a either an army ranger or a marine or something like that and so he he played he had this gravitas and this respect for his brother and portrayed that in with his betrayal of Optimus. And it's just like, I, I can't help but feel that like he must have had some reservations about some of those lines. And I, I'd really love to pick his brain about it. But, you know, that's my take on it. So there, there's my two big and what's things. Your, uh, and what's your ra- rating? I, I want to say probably a one and a half or a two. Okay. I, I, I don't want to, I want to say that this is a bit subpar for me. Um, I want to say that the first Transformers movie would have been a little bit above. I would have given it like a three. Uh, the second one, I, I would have said that one was average. And this one, I think just it's been a slow decline. So you think this so. one was worse than the second one? Because that's actually another another thing. I know Eric hasn't seen the second one. Um, and I haven't seen the fourth one. But uh, like I thought this was definitely better than the second one. Because the second I one the I thought was completely completely forgettable. This at least had potential. I think the problem that we had with the second one too was that the I, was that the that was with the fall and the, the yeah. But I'm, I'm trying all, to. I think that, that was the one that was made during the writer's strike. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. it was. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I just something with this one just really rubbed me the wrong way. Like not to say I'm not I'm never going to say that the second one was great by any stretch of the imagination. No, I'm. I'm I think that's what one. you're saying. If you think that <laughs> if you think the second one was better than this, then 
obviously it's a great movie because this is, you know, we all agreed. We've all been just <laughs> praising this movie for the last hour and a half. Oh, yes. Okay, there was one scene that I did like. It's when uh, Bumblebee killed a Decepticon in the nest base, I think. I don't know if it was an intentional reference, but he punches the Decepticon in the chest and makes his head fly off. And it made me think of Rock'em Sock'em Robots. <laughs> I have no proof that it was intentional, but... It would have been pretty cool if it was. This 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 was also where they had the uh, the scene on the freeway, right? Uh, where they're going over the bridge and stuff, and... Where and they actually... Sam, like, they actually transformed around and and with the humans in, with them. Yes. Yeah. Because that that they didn't do that in the first two, and that was kind of. No. I think they kind of did that interesting, and I love and I did like uh, Shia LaBeouf's high pitched squeals of of fright. Because I mean, honestly, that I would be that in that same kind of thing if I was in it, basically surrounded by swirling metal that was moving and changing, and I had no clue what was going on. Hmm. But I mean, I don't know. Like they, they did. They tried some things, and some of them worked. Some of them didn't. Yeah. I did. As for the second one, I all I remember specifically that I really liked was the fact that they actually went to a country like in in the Middle East that uh, is not like Saudi Arabia or Egypt or basically the ones that everyone al- always knows. Uh, also, because it's also named Jordan, so that's just <laughs> a personal liking. But, yeah. Okay. So, uh, that's enough talking about that. Uh, <laughs> I, let's, um, let's, let's just do the news. Let's skip questions, and, and then we'll have lots of questions oh. for Monday. Uh, cause, you, uh, well, you, well, I've got it. Some of the questions are specifically tied to this, because I got okay. them from the okay, Discord chat. But, hold on, let me check something real quick. Uh, yeah, like, I've got three questions here that are specifically tied to the, to the movie and stuff, if you want to do that, those. Uh, uh, I, yeah, I guess that's, I guess that's okay. I'm just, I'm just trying to, yeah, yeah, just fast, I'm just, I just, I, it's getting late, and this isn't a normal podcast night for me. (laughs) Yeah, okay. We'll do light, lightning round on these three questions. Okay, so, uh, Diablic, uh, Car, Car, uh, Car's... Carchion, oh dang it! How do you say that word? C a c a r c h a r o d o n. And like, I know it's like a gem term. Like Carchion. I'm sorry, I'm getting your. Okay, lightning round. What's anyway? Car guy. What's What's your favorite explosive? And is the NSA tracking you now? Because I asked that. Also, who would win in a race? Scream piloted by Tom Cruise in his prime, or Hot Rod driven by Vin Diesel? Ooh. I think uh, this person may have copied my question. I'm going to answer that say, next one. I'll say Dynamite, <laughs> and I, I want to go with Hot Rod and Vin Diesel. Um, my favorite, I think, was the fictional one used in... Well, maybe it wasn't too fictional, but the, the one used in... Was it Die Hard Three, where they had the mix, and then like any kind of like, uh, any kind of like uh, jolt or or force applied would cause it to explode. Like he oh, explained it by yeah. like basically escorting someone there, then taking uh, a paperclip with uh, some of the other, mixed them together, and threw it at a chair, and it sent the chair and the guy in it like flying backwards. 
I think that was the third was it one. Supposed yeah. to be like nitroglycerin. I think like once they were mixed, it was like nitroglycerin. Gotcha. But the idea is that the the materials were completely inert as long as they were separate. Yeah. I like. Um, and as for the race, um, uh, I'm trying to think of a one of the muscle car transformers. I can't remember which one I'm thinking of though. Ah. Uh, Come back to me on that, because I actually have something, but I have to look something up. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, uh, so, um, my favorite TNT is the dynamite crates from, or the TNT, my favorite explosive is the TNT crates from Crash Team Racing. Um, <laughs> and uh, I would say that um, Optimus Prime is slower than Vin Diesel in whatever that thing was. So if Starscream and Tom Cruise are riding Optimus Prime, they're not going to go as fast. Um, okay, Eric, answer the question. <laughs> okay. Uh, favorite explosive would probably be the gum from Mission Impossible, the movie. Ooh, that's a good one. And uh, Starscream can probably go at least Mach 2. So... Obviously, he would win. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Go. Okay. Wait. I I found who like either Wheeljack or Joyride being driven by uh um being Bandit. I think would beat them both. Oh, cool. Because I don't. I, yeah, I don't think either of them could out out drive him. Yeah. Um. So Jasmine also uh, also known as Sidemon on our Discord server asked. Uh, what is your take on the something awful theory that the movies are actually well written, but with the caveat of the Autobots are the villains? Also, is face trauma really as prevalent as the as the thread as that thread made it to appear? Um, I think the face trauma is much. Well, actually, no. There is quite a bit of face trauma in this one. Too. Yeah, there is. Uh, especially with the ones that are repairing his uh, Megatron scar. Yeah. So there's that. Um, well, and it's. As far as the um, the Autobots being the villains, I think that sort of goes with Kendall's theory that the uh, the Maximals are the, are the villains in Beast Wars. No, because the theory that the Maximals are the villains actually makes sense. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the Autobots being the villains doesn't make any sense in the movies. I not, suppose so. Yeah, not, I mean, not so you much could in compare this compare them to Jar Jar Banks, maybe? Because <sighs> I don't feel... I mean, I mean the... The uh the like the max the, the the reason that the reason that the Predacons and the, can be cons- could be construed as not being the villains in the in the context of Beast Wars has a lot to do with the fact that it is two warring factions going up against each other. So there's a lot more area for moral gray moral grayness, and also like there 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 is stuff going on in Cybertron in, in that show. But they're like referring to it, so you can't always rely on the narrator. With this, like the Predacons are expressly trying to take over the Earth. Like in this yeah. one, they're expressly expressly trying to enslave all of humanity. I think that if you're trying to enslave humanity, you're probably the bad guys. True. Yeah. You guys groaned about that Jar Jar comparison, but take footage of Jar Jar at the Battle of Naboo. And put it next to footage of Optimus Prime getting stuck on wires in his jetpack. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Just saying. <laughs> Good and, point. And finally, from uh, Lurks, we got, so how many times are you going to screw up and call it Dark Side of the Moon over the course of the episode? 
Uh, serious question. Which Michael Bay Transformers character would work best in the regular Transformers universe? Your choice, it, uh, your choice if that means replacing a character or having Starscream's brother, Starscream, who happens... Scar, Star, Scarstream, who happens to be just like Michael Bay Starscream. Mm-hmm. So I think I think we made a reference to it at the beginning, and then we actually were pretty good without yeah. having without yeah, saying it since we've then. Yeah, we pretty good. Um, I don't know this. The Bumblebee of this of this series has seemed to be has kind of broken away to be a rather good representation. Like even in uh, Transformers Prime, uh, based based that version off of more of a. Uh, the movie version and prime was kind of more of a merging of the generation one and, and things than actual like mo- movie tie in. Um, but I, I don't know. Um, I think, I think, I think I'd have to like actually see some of the, some of the characters from like, I want to see hot rod and, and, uh, and Grimlock in the, the other two movies to, to get a better idea of like who would be interesting. Have they done RC yet? Uh, Choosing the second one in the Revenge of the Fallen, there was RC was there, and as I said, like because I hate myself, I did the deep wiki drive, and the thing was that there was three motorcycles. Yeah, and they've been collectively referred to as RC and RC Elite One and Chroma or Chromia, and it's never clearly made. It's been suggested, and but it's never been said one way or other by the things that. It was maybe like one robot that had just three separate bodies, like with like that could move independently, mm-hmm. or they were all sisters. Like it was never really confirmed. And yeah. supposedly there was plans for the the three of them to actually to transform into one large robot, uh, but that never happened. And mm-hmm. okay, I was just gonna say this being a Michael Bay movie, I would assume if RC appeared in robot form. It would immediately cut to a shot of her walking, and it's right behind her, staring at her ass. <laughs> no, nope, I'm on nope. board. <laughs> um, okay. As far as as far as the character that I would pull, I'd, I'd go with Bumblebee. I thought Bumblebee's been pretty good through the series. Yeah, I, I, Bumblebee, uh... but except instead of him using sound clips, have him still talk TV, but voiced by Eric Idle. Oh, yeah. that'd be awesome! Like Re- Re- like Rekgar from the first movie, yeah. from the animated movie. That <laughs> I still think that is like one of the funniest pulls that uh, the animate Transformers animated cartoon did, where when they had uh, Rekgar appear on the show, they had they had Weird Al Yankovic do the voice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I uh, I think that you could you could have an interesting uh, bring Optimus Prime. Um, and having Optimus talk to Optimus kind of thing, uh, just because there are clear differences between the character. Yeah, um, yeah, I could see that that being an interesting like like arc to do. Okay, let's uh, let's round out the episode with real real quick news stuff. Just uh, okay. did she like read a All statement? Right. Just read it real fast. Uh, we okay. can <laughs> maybe discuss it a little tiny bit, but uh, I'm giving you we've got uh, okay. we've got five minutes left in the episode. <laughs> All right. Hey there, Beast Babes. Since the week is recording late, it means y'all will gain a double-stuffed news segment. So twist the to- tops off of those generic brand sandwich cookies and lick off the sweet, bountiful cream of Transformers news. First up this time, we have a new trailer for the last night, the International Trailer. Highlights include finally showing up 
us that there's an adult character who isn't white in this movie, our first look at the movie version of a quintessen and a feminine one at that, and Bumblebee pulling a waspinator by being blown apart and then putting himself back together. Uh, what are your thoughts on the last new trailer for the movie before it comes out? I like the little bit where we see we see of the quintessen in this, but otherwise this doesn't change what I think about the movie. Uh, we basically see the quintessence face, and it took me a while to realize that was her, by the way. Yeah. Um, oh, and in, in parentheses, also, the hacker subplot was pointless and bad, and I had blocked it out of my brain until y'all mentioned it last time. <laughs> Arguing that they could have put something worse isn't a good argument that could, theor- that could theoretically be used to deflect any criticism of anything ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, up next, we have a double whammy of Forge to Fight news. First, we have another new roster addition. This time, it's Prowl, the Autobot security officer whose face is the loose basis for the Autobot's logo and who is a huge prick. He kind of <laughs> is. He's, he's really yeah, stiff. He is. Yeah. Uh, it's rather appropriate that they added him right after Soundwave, since Soundwave's face is the loose basis for the Decepticon logo. Uh, Prowl's appearance here is directly based on his recent Combiner Wars toy, down to the smallest detail. I happen to own this toy, and I think it's really cool to be able to compare the, the in-game model with the actual toy it's based on and see all the little minutiae. Despite his importance in the G1 cartoon, Prowl hasn't shown up in any of the Michael Bay movies. He was originally planned to appear in the first one, but was usurped by the Decepticon Barricade, who transformed into a Mustang police car with the iconic to punish and enslave quote on the side. While I do like Prowl, Barricade is one of the only things from the movies I actually completely love, so it's probably for the best. Maybe if they keep killing off characters, they'll eventually add him. Maybe he'll have a bizarre accent or pee on people. Uh, the, second bit, the second bit of Forge to Fight news is that it won Best Game at the 2017 Google Play Awards. Uh, I, had never, yeah, I had never heard of these awards until now, but it's pretty cool that they won, especially so soon after release. Hopefully this means that it will continue to perform well and keep going, getting cool new characters. By the way, I took a look at the site, and it actually won... Uh, under best game, it also won games with strong. The criteria that they use were games with strong mechanics, stellar graphics, and strong engagement and t- retention tactics. Which I guess means like how replay value. I guess is also yeah. it's kind of inherent in that. Which I kind of agree that the game does have a little bit of more replay than some of the things I played. Uh, our third piece of news is that, as was previously rumored, there is a Transformers: The Last Night promotion going on at Build a Bear Workshop. Uh, this promotion features different theme clothes and sound chips, but most notably has both an Optimus and Bumblebee p- bear with a pullover battle mask hoods. While I appreciate the attempt to add an element of transformation to them, I'm very outside the target audience for this. That being said, since Build-A-Bear no longer supports the autism-hating bullshit that is Autism Speaks, at least Transformers isn't tangled up in that crap. I also am glad that they are no longer talking about Autism Speak. Ugh. Anyways, on a different note, there isn't the first time Transformers has crossed over with a cute brand of bear toys. Back during the 30th anniversary, Japanese hobby toy land Bear Brick did a promotional crossover toy line with Transformers. They transformed from robots into cute little bear versions of themselves. Who wants to buy me a Bear Brick Starscream? Wink. To keep this vaguely on topic, they did put out one for Movie Prime as well. Finally, we have a double dose of Masterpiece news. The first, smaller news, is that the third figure in the new Masterpiece... Masterpiece movie line after Bumblebee and Optimus will be Barricade, presumably based on the appearance in the first movie. In much bigger news, it was announced that Takara will be putting out a Masterpiece Sunstreaker. Sideswipe's vain, self-centered brother and one of the original crew of the arc from the G1 cartoon, Sunstreaker was definitely overdue for a Masterpiece rendition. NP-39 Sunstreaker still turns into a Lamborghini-like Sideswipe, 
but with a completely different transformation and robot mode like with his original toy. He will also will come with several different accessories, most notably a scale figure of the wheelchair-bound wheelchair Chip Chase, also from the G1 cartoon. The link above has pictures as well as translated interview with the lead designer. It mainly talks seconds. about how they tackled the transformation and look of the figure, as well as the general direction of the Masterpiece line as a whole. Now that that's over with, on to the real important stuff. Star Trek opinions. I totally get putting Starscream pretty low. If you aren't familiar with him, though personally I'd place him way higher. Also surprised at the bad-mouthing of the Scotty episodes. I personally thought it was a really good and fun episode that was peak Trek, for lack of a better term. I can see why it wouldn't necessarily be everyone's favorite, but surely it's better than bad makeup bones. And time's up. (laughs) Okay, so... uh, uh, we'll we'll go. I was gonna just do all your plugs for you, but I thought that. Uh, but since we have a guest, I'm gonna let you guys. Uh, I'm not gonna do that. Uh, let's go to plugs. Jordan, what do you have to plug? Uh, let's see. I'll just plug. Um, turn the page and random sampling, and they see me rolling. Which, by the way, Hayden's uh, Hi- actually on uh, random sampling this on one of the episodes this week, where they talk about the emperor of uh, of USA. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right, uh, Eric, what do, you, what do you got to plug? Uh, well, I have Inside the Master's Studio, a behind-the-screens look into the art of GMing. Uh, probably going to take this Monday off for the holiday, or at least that's the excuse I'm going to use. <laughs> uh, the next guest should be uh, Bert Jennings. He is currently the game master of Pencils and Parsecs, the Fantasy Flight edge of the empire game that they are running on hyper rpg right now nice with uh erica lindbeck who's a voice actress she was futaba in persona 5 that's oh. the most recent one right yes yes uh, yeah, that's the one that, uh joel and zach are playing keith silver or whatever the name of the guy who voices torbjorn in overwatch is uh hector navarro kim cannon who is a Actual trained Jedi and Emma Fife. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, and uh, Greg, I assume you're just going to uh, plug audio entropy, so I'll let you go last. Uh, <laughs> you can find all my stuff on Kendallcast.ninja. Uh, I'm not going to list it off because uh, I, I want to go to bed. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Greg. Uh, audio entropy. Also, uh, I'll plug my Twitter, Greg C M U N. Hopefully, going to have. Some, I've got a demo for Adangumdo tomorrow evening, so I'll try and see about posting something for that as well. So yeah, I'm nice and quick so that Kendall can go to bed. All right. And if if you have been following along at home, Dorothy's saying, and you were there, and you were there, and you were there. So you can tell your friends that you were there. Roll out. <laughs> I've seen this episode of Star Trek already. <laughs>